All right, you got your camera? You got a bag? You ready to go? Jump on in. We're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Thanks for joining me. Today I've got special guest Julie DuBose, photographer and author of Photography as the Expression of Eye, Mind, and Heart. She's also the co-founder of the Mix Song Institute for Contemplative Photography in Boulder, Colorado. So why don't you tell us about your journey into photography? Well, it seems like ancient history. <laughs> uh, well, I... Uh, I really didn't have a lot of experience with photography uh, until I was probably about uh, 45. Really? Yeah, I had a friend in college, and we played around in a a dark room um, a little bit. I I didn't really have a camera. I borrowed my father's, and I I thought it was cool, but I just went other directions. And uh, also... I just wasn't super visually oriented. Like I never uh, was interested in drawing or mm-hmm. painting or anything. It just wasn't my thing. I was more a musician. So um, then I met Michael Wood, and uh, I had known him for a while. And I and he had shown me uh, what he was doing, which was he'd been developing the Mixong Contemplative Photography curriculum uh, for many years. He'd been doing it since like. 1979. And this was 1998. So he was really far down the road when I met him with this. And uh, I I just immediately, his images were so uh, accessible and direct and just very um, pure. Like they weren't photographs of anything particular or uh, a particular style that I could tell. It was just uh, images of things in our world, you know, like mm-hmm. just just kind of grab me, and um, I I thought they looked they looked really great. So then, the more time I spent around him and and with him, um, the more I felt like I it was something that I could do because I really felt I was somewhat uh, disadvantaged <laughs> as, a, as a potential photographer. And I and the last thing I wanted to do was to feel small. So um, at some point, I, I felt that I trusted him uh, and that I, I I could do this and it would be fun. So mm-hmm. uh, I started taking uh, the courses he was doing in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where we were. Uh, where we were both living at the time. And um, I just, uh, and and also, and this is an important piece of it, I had been meditating for many years. And I I really uh, enjoyed the aspect of the images that there was a tremendous amount of stillness in the images and and a peacefulness uh, that seemed to uh, trigger in me a a very restful state of mind mm-hmm. and a resonant state of mind. So um, I, st- I, I kind of wanted to do that because I felt like I could share my experience with people uh, in a really simple way, and it's something that I could share with other photographers who would have some idea about 
how to do this and that maybe they were doing it too. And then I found that my friends and family and, and other people felt that they also could connect with my images. So I just kept doing it at home and uh, with my children. It was great with my children. It was the best ever thing to do, you know, just to shoot right. them and in simple moments of, you know, the kind that you have around the house that are so, you know, you just feel that they're so great and you can actually photograph those and then have them. And that, that was really great. So I started taking those courses and, uh, I really did get onto it surprisingly enough for me to myself. And, um, it took me a while though, probably four years of doing it a lot. Right. Before every, all the pieces came together. And then I felt like I, you know, I, I was, uh, really, there was some, um, uh, I don't know what the word would be. Like there was, uh, everything was integrated. Right. It's like I took the training wheels off. I could actually walk with this, you know, certain degree of confidence. And, uh, and I sort of kind of started getting down to really, uh, feeling confident with the medium so it wasn't like struggling or working too hard it got to be really easier and easier and um then um we started traveling and teaching and at first he taught and i helped mm-hmm. and i helped organized and uh then in 2005 he said you know you can teach all these levels so just going to say, you know, you're co-teaching all the levels with me. And then we just kind of went and we moved to Boulder, back to Boulder. And uh, I set up the Institute, and that gave us kind of a place for people to come that's really fun and right. very nice here. And uh, I've been co-teaching with him ever since then. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. So. And then you wrote a book as well or put a book together. I did. Yeah, I did. 2013, Effortless Beauty, um, and that was uh, a, really an interesting experience because I just felt that there was some aspect of this whole uh, practice that appealed to me in terms of, of how it helps uh, us live better, live better lives, live more open uh and receptive, have more open and receptive relationships, and gain confidence in our in our trusting our experience, our direct experience, my mm-hmm. direct experience. Yeah, you know, there's something about really learning how to express your experience with a camera without you know manipulating or um, adulterating or trying to please anyone else, but sticking straight with what your experience is. That's it. Abandoning, trying to please your friends and impress people. And just do it as it is and connect with what's really there. And then there's all this appreciation because it doesn't have anything to do with what you want. And it's really profound. It's like it, you start to feel that way with everything. It just bleeds over into your life that you can just be with what is and, and appreciate it and possibly express it with your camera. Wow. It sounds really like full circle in a way. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. You start off kind of uncertain. Then you have some, you start to see that you can kind of do it and then you can kind of do it more and then you can go deeper and deeper and deeper until pretty much the reference point of me and what I want 
starts to be very transparent. So you kind of, once you get yourself out of the equation, uh, I'm the big photographer, I have to get the good light, I have to, uh, I have to do things a certain way. Uh, you know, that's what makes your images not fresh. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're overlaid with all kinds of things, your own databases and preferences and likes and dislikes, what you think other people want want to see, what they enjoy seeing, all those things, you know, you they just get in the way of seeing. So once you start to work with those uh, so that you can let them go, which we have really great ways of doing that. That's what we've been evolving over the, oh, just, I would say, the, the last 20 years um, with visual exercises and We've really just refined it and refined it down so that it's as simple as I've ever seen it. It's essential Mm -hmm. uh, aspects of how to train ourselves so that we can see in a fresh and clear way and then understand what we've seen in a clear way and express precisely what we've seen. So that's kind of like the three aspects of it. You just gradually work it and work it and clean and clean and clean the perceptual mirror. Mm -hmm. And there's no dust. There's no preferences. There's none of that that I was just describing. And the glass is pristine and clear, and your mirror is a mind of the the visual world. Just there's reflecting back what the perception is. And then your image also becomes an exact reflection of what you see. Interesting. Does that make sense to you? I, Does that? I think it might make sense. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I'm still, I think, trying to wrap my head around it a little because I guess that thinking and the training applies then to whether it's landscape photography, still life photography, portraits. It would apply to all of those areas. Yes, it, it would apply to anything that you see. So it could be any of those things. Right. When you're first starting out, we keep it really simple. We start with uh, just saying in a simple way uh, the elements of form. So we train ourselves to synchronize our eye and mind together so it's in one place. So that we're not distracted, we're not in a hurry, we're open and receptive. And we really work on that. The first course just establishes the basis for the entire thing. It's like, can I be still? Can I be open? Mm-hmm. Can I be non-judgmental? Can I have a sense of equanimity about everything I see? And then uh, we do that by like, okay, today's intention is for just to see color. So we're training ourselves to take the thing the label off what we see. A color is just color. It's not doesn't need to be a thing. It could just be color. So we're starting to sort of de-thingify right. our visual experience, and then we have texture. So we learn to feel with our eyes. We learn to have a body ex- mind experience of one of the elements of form. So we go through a few of those, and we're training ourselves to just be very simple about the way we see, mm-hmm. and then gradually. Um, like in in the succession of courses, they each complete each other, and uh, and making contact is the second one, and, and it's really about learning to put it all together again, right. to see a totality based on perception, perceptual elements, 
uh, all of this without any labeling, right? It's not, oh, I'm shooting this, and I'm, and there's no spin, and we don't we don't arrange our our image our images. We don't put them together, plant things, or anything like that. We just go walking with an open mind, and then. Um, in this case, we'll see certain things that maybe are assignments, and we and we we photograph them, and and we also have practices that are designed to uh, get us through boredom and restlessness. So that we say true seeing is on the other side of boredom, because once we get past all of our ideas about what we want, we actually start to see what's actually there. Right. That's really an unveiling, in a sense, of the potential of what's there that we don't allow ourselves to see. And then heart of perception comes after that, and that's learning to uh, to see non-static moments um, that have a heartbeat and ha- are breathing. You can train yourself to actually perceive that. To feel it because you're you're starting to because you don't have all your conceptual reference points functioning you've kind of pretty much taken them offline when you go out shooting you're just open right you, you have this you're developing this sense sensitivity to much deeper levels of, of uh, a perceptual experience so you you're experiencing subtle things and recognizing them because we train to recognize to open ourselves and be aware of these kinds of things and then we um, and then we see them, and then we express them with our cameras. Well, those are the first; those are the first three main courses. Uh, and we also have a space course after that. Space is subject matter. Mm-hmm. You can believe that, and yeah. that is totally cool. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is sounding really interesting. And that, uh, yeah, it just sounds like you said taking away the kind of the perception of I need to go out and get X, Y, or Z, or I need to more that opening yourself to what is around you and what may present itself. Am I yeah. repeating that back correctly? That sounds right. It's it's really about uh, uh, wanting to connect with the world as it is and experience something new, something that we could have never thought of because it's not all up to us to control everything. We can just kind of play. Mm-hmm. in the visual world and experience it and enjoy it. Interesting. So you have several teachers now that you've trained, correct? Correct. In different locations as well. You're not just located in Boulder? That's right, yep. Um, we're also in the process of training some teachers in Japan so they can teach uh, in Asia. Um yeah, we have teachers, uh, some in Canada, and uh, some in Europe, and some here in the United States. So explain the book process. Was it difficult then to take all of this from that perception into, I mean, the book has many chapters. Just I haven't actually picked up a copy of the book myself yet. So, Well, it's only 85 pages of text. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it, and the other um, hundred, oh, 230 pages altogether. So right. the rest of it is photographs. So there's photographs throughout. Um, and I think that's very important um, because the way we photograph, when we do it, 
and it were and and we're successfully expressing our perceptions. You're basically looking at what I saw through my mind because there's no there's not anything in the way. There's no thoughts or agenda. I'm not trying to prove something or tell a story or any of that. I'm mm-hmm. just expressing the perception. And when you look at my photos and anyone else's photos who's been doing this for a while, you actually have an experience that's very direct of what I saw. And that is kind of a, that that's like half the, in our perception, we just show images. We don't say, you do this, you do this, you do right. this, this is right, this is wrong. We show them images and then they go out and they, they, they take it in, like, like they, it penetrates them at some non-conceptual level. And then they go out and they sort of attune themselves to that. Um, and that is what what it's like with the photographs in the book. And, and Michael's book, Opening uh, the Good Eye, is similar. Uh, it, have you seen that book? I've seen a little bit of it. I actually haven't um, reviewed that one in full either. Well, you, you will. Uh, there's a ton of photos in it, and they all express what you know, on some level, what he's talking about. And uh, that's about the whole practice of mixed song. It's not just about the first course. Uh, so the pictures, the photographs, the images express so much about what this is. Um, so oh, yeah, the process about, of writing the book, uh, for me, was effortless. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's good kind of, to hear. Yeah. Uh, it was just easy. I, I, it wasn't written didactically, and it wasn't written... Uh, to uh, make a point or teach a lesson or anything like that. It's not a how-to book. Right. It's really, uh, it came out of me like, uh, and I was working full-time, like 10 hours a day, actually, and I I was, uh, so I was getting up early uh, to write this, and I would, uh, I would, some there would be breaks in it and and the whole thing, but the whole thing just came out and uh, just came out, as it was, and uh, it required some editing, but uh, I just knew what I wanted to say. I think I'd sort of been sort of uh, building this, or it had been happening in me at a sort of a total level, not at, you know, I didn't have to right. think or work at it. Right. So, and it's mostly about why this is such a wonderful practice for us at this time, how we can, you know, we want to be genuine. We want to be authentic. Mm-hmm. We want to connect. Right. We want to have uh, meaning in our lives. We want some uh, depth to our experiences. And this is just a great way, because of where cameras are right now, they're, they're not expensive. They're extremely excellent. Uh, even, even the cheap ones are great. Um, you don't need to know a whole lot about uh, technical aspects to do this practice. It's just with the cameras being what they are, you know, it's mm-hmm. just oh, yeah. point of focus, exposure, depth of field, you know. Right. And what, once you understand what stopped you, you're really clear about where it begins and where it ends, you know, is it vertical or horizontal, you know, exactly what stopped you. Once you understand that, expressing it is very simple. It's just a question of that depth of field, point of focus, and so forth. And exposure. So you get those right, you get that going for you, and you've got it. Mm-hmm. And you feel that this has really changed your life, it sounds like, in a way. Oh, absolutely. It's awakened my visual awareness. And then it just becomes part of who you are at some point. It's not like, 
I'm a photographer. I'm just, I'm just a, someone who loves to see. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of pleasure, and especially around my house, even I, I see things all the time that the sun is a certain way coming through the window or some something, maybe it could be anything just throughout my day, you know, something happens and I, it catches me and I just photograph it. Right. So it's really something. I keep my camera with me all the time. I have a little camera. I have an RX100, Sony RX100 that I keep in my purse in my pocket and then my... Um, my my really the my great love is the RX10. It's the Sony also, but it's 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 a bigger, not huge. Right. You know, by large standards, it's not large, but I just love it. It just kind of it, it, I feel confident with mm-hmm. it, and I know that whatever comes out of it is going to be exquisitely elegant with those size lenses and uh, and it's light to carry and the, the lenses are built in so I don't have to carry different lenses. I've got a nice range that I'm working with with the zoom on both of them. They're just great cameras. So one of them is a mirrorless then too, isn't it? Uh, yes, that is correct. It's the smallness of it. Makes it great. You know, the thing about a small camera is I love it. And, it, and plus it's got the the uh, the LCD screen that pulls out and it's got a pop-up viewfinder and uh, it's, it's really wonderful. But there's something about having a little bit more weight in my hand. I just feel, um, I, I think I like the tactility of feeling the camera in my hands, but that's right. just me. Right. Michael just loves the small camera, and he almost shoots with that and nothing else. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, it's a really fine little camera. It's super fine. Yeah, the cameras are. It's a it's a wonderful time for, for people to photograph, whether it's with their cell phone or whatever they have. As you said, it's more about having something to capture what they're seeing. Well, I know, and that is absolutely true, and I agree with it totally, um, and everybody does have their cell phones. Um, for me, I still do care that the the quality of my image is excellent, <laughs> and I don't see the iPhones there yet. I, I hear the new one has got a great camera on it. I just haven't seen it yet on the iPhone. Yeah. So are there other types of things that you carry in your camera bag, since you kind of were kind of talking about what's in your camera bag? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what would you have in your camera bag? Um, I've well, I've got my main camera, which, like you, it's um, you know, I've got a DSLR, so I can change lenses if I choose to. And then I did just get a Sony mirrorless camera, just because it is a smaller, lighter. But I haven't gotten as comfortable with it. Somewhat like you, I always grew up with cameras, so kind I kind of like the heavier camera. I just feel like. I don't know, it kind of puts me in that mindset of I'm going to go be what I can get, essentially. Well, the the the, uh, the camera, if the camera is too big, most people feel like they won't keep it with them. Mm-hmm. And so then they have this big dichotomy between their everyday lives and and going out with their camera. I like to really blend it in. That's where the real joy is for me, not having a special thing, right. a special event in a special place or anything like that. I like it kind of ordinary and and intimate. Um, so I uh, And also the other thing is, if you take your camera out, if it's anything more than a small camera, and everybody is like immediately paranoid. And, That's true. You know, it's That's harder true. and harder to find a place where people are really relaxed about that. Right, that is true. 
So your small camera that you keep with you every day is the, you said it was the, which one is it? Sony. Uh, the Sony? RX100. RX100, nice. Yeah, it's really good. It's very affordable. You don't need to get the most recent camera. You can get like two models back. Uh, because the improvements they've made are not really improvements, and you can save a lot of money by doing that. I think uh, $400 might be all you have to spend. Mm -hmm. Don't totally quote me on that, but I think that is the price range for it. As far as the workshops, are there prerequisites for people before they sign up for the first? I mean, I understand there's an order to the workshops, as you explained. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the first workshop, are there things that you recommend? Are there certain individuals that it would be more suited to than others? Or Yeah, yeah definitely. I think this is not for everyone. Um, we've taken a lot of time on our website to describe what this is. We've got, we've got interviews, uh, interviews with me, interview, and Michael's just about to post more interviews with him, and they're great. They're really good. I hope he'll be done with them probably by the end of September and get them up. Um, there's a film called Quiet Mind that was made in Canada uh, of Michael, which is a really nice film. These films really tell what Mixong is. And the things that I've said to you, right. I would say we're going against the, the stream of what of where photography is, which is basically to use all the wonderful effects that are available to enhance and change and create different experiences uh, out of what was our original perception or our, what we thought our perception was. So that's, you know, everybody's just, you know, taking full advantage of all these fun things that are around. What we're trying to do is shoot what is and express what we saw and mm-hmm. instead of change it. So if that's what people want, if they want to take really great pictures and, and take better pictures and use this to take better pictures, they may take better pictures, but they're not really going to be motivated to do the amount of discipline and exertion that's involved in uh, in, in being able to do this. So okay. it's like meditation. And if you love meditation, if you love if you love to be still, if you love to be contemplative, if you love yoga, different other kind of mind mm-hmm. traditions where you know you're you're really working with your mind and being and you know, watching your thoughts come and go and uh, getting really settled in your body, those kinds of things. If you want to take your eye of meditation on the road through photography, this is for you. If that's not in, if that doesn't interest you at all, then please don't come to our courses because <laughs> you'll be unhappy. But it, it's great fun if you are. And, and honestly, I think it's an incredibly joyful practice, um, and it's. But you really have to, on some level, there's a choice that each one of us makes. Do we want to create uh, something that we've created mm-hmm. for people to see, or do we want to have an experience of direct seeing and share that with our share our experience of seeing with our friends in a very simple way? And and that's really we're not about manipulation at all. We don't use filters. We don't use tripods. Um, you know, we just, it's just our eye and our camera and our mind and our body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's pretty much all there is, being open and available and expressing our experience of seeing. And that is not very complicated. No, it doesn't sound complicated. Can I ask, like, somewhat, I mean, you've tried to explain it a little bit. What, what would you say a typical day in the workshop is like 
Okay, let's just say, uh, and this is pretty standard. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of. We awesome. arrive in the morning and um, do visual exercises. That's awesome. uh, we have We have some great visual exercises that are, they really are essential. They make all the difference. Because it's not like, okay, now go see clearly, you know. Right. You would have to think that one through. And we're trying to create the the possibility of of uh, when you open your eyes before all the thinking st- about what you're saying comes in to make a relationship between that moment mm-hmm. when you first open up and you don't know what everything is. There's actually a little gap there. So we're working to sort of become familiar with that before we go hunting with our eye and our mind for understanding what we're saying and put it in this little box and then put it away. Right. Um, we want to actually be there in that moment of openness and, and hang out with what we're saying. And it takes a lot of practice to do that. Just like meditation takes right. meditation is practice. Actually, that's why they call it the practice of meditation training to be present, fully mm-hmm. present, um, in the present moment. So that's what we're doing. And then, okay. So we start out with that get us in the right frame of mind for this. Then we might have a brief discussion, and then we we present an assignment. And then that's usually around 10.30 or 11. And then everybody goes out shooting the assignment and uh, comes back around uh, 1.30 and, uh, after having lunch, and then they start editing. And uh, in the beginning, we help them a little bit with editing because we're not editing to make it to a better photograph. We're just making tiny adjustments to bring it to what we saw. Okay. And then um, we have a discussion, and then we share images. We Like everybody takes a certain number of images and gives them to us, and we load it up and show it on the TV, and then we have a discussion while we're looking at everyone's images. And then we go home, and there's nothing at night. So that's pretty much a schedule every day. Mm-hmm. So... People do need to bring a laptop then if they're coming to do something. Yeah, they need to bring a laptop if they can. I mean, sometimes people don't have laptops, so maybe one of the people in the class will share with them. We're really Mac people, Mm -hmm. um, but there's always people in the class who do know more about PCs if somebody gets hung up. We're just, that's not our our thing. And, uh, you know, um, so you you need to know how to... uh, you have to have some simple editing software that you know how to use. Right. And then you, uh, you edit your images, and we don't shoot in RAW for this because it just takes too long, and everybody's, whoever's shooting RAW on a PC is like twice as long as everybody else. So they, everybody uh, loads up their images onto their stick, and uh, then uh, then we have the image. So you need to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. How long And some gonna- people... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, what? Oh, I was just going to say, how many people do you usually take on in a workshop? Well, that varies. I think with both Michael and me teaching, we could take on up to 20, but um, I think smaller is good. Mm-hmm. Actually, we can do that, uh, but we also like to have smaller classes as well. Right. You know, five is a great place to start, and then, you know... Any any number is fine. After that, twenty, it gets can get a little bit chaotic. No, that's that's what I was kind of exactly asking because it sounds you know especially with the beginners. I'll I'll use the word beginners, I guess, because many of us haven't 
you know, we're not familiar with where we need to start and just the process. Well, it's really laid out really uh, simply. And we're there paying attention to everybody. So we know what's going on with everybody if they're if they're communicating, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it's it's pretty it's with this with our course it's not it's not really hard to see if people are getting onto it because we're sharing images every afternoon, right? And and we and we've done this for such a long time that we just know um, we've seen everything. We were, I think, I think so far we've seen everything we've seen. We see over and over again, I should say. Right. So we kind of know. We can kind of just even smell it when it starts. You know, a road that might be going down right. that's possibly an obstacle. Right. And and we just work with them with that. And uh, so I don't think that just because have, you have small numbers means the class is going to be better. Okay. Uh, no amount of no amount of special attention is going to make someone go somewhere they're not open to going. That makes sense. Okay. You know, what, it depends on what they're holding on to. We've had people who are into macro. Are they, They're all, only into shooting nature. Mm-hmm. But the macro thing is insidious. I mean, not to say a too negative a term, but I mean, some people just will not shoot anything but macro. Right. No, I haven't. That just, yeah, so it's, it's like an aesthetic choice. Right. And and so they no matter what assignment you give them and you tell them that you know, to make this work like like texture. Well right. why would you want to shoot something that's got like a half an inch of texture that's in focus in the whole picture? So it just becomes an obstacle to expressing your experience. It's an overlay. Mhm. So for people who are macro shooters, they they have to be willing to try something different. To, to let go of all of their, uh, and this is true for everybody, Every, just kind of leave your baggage at the door. Leave your your habitual likes and dislikes about how you like to shoot. Right. Just kind of give it a rest while you're there so you can sort of experience uh, something that's different. Right. It sounds really just eye-opening, I guess, is the only... I, I, I don't I don't know if that's an appropriate word. Say that on purpose. <laughs> no, I mean I. You know, his title of the book is the Good Eye, but it it does seem that it it's so different from those of us who have been say you know we've been photographing for a long time, and there may be gone to you know some people take photography classes, and and this is something creative using a camera that is completely different but yet something that's lifelong that you could enjoy you know really enjoy your life in a different way well i think a big thing that's really different about this is we don't have rules the only rule we have is if it's not if it's not fresh don't shoot it Mm mm-hmm and that's it. The the composition is dictated by the perception itself. Like we don't use the rule of thirds or any of that. It's just what what did you see? Understanding what that was and expressing it as it was. And that is amazing, the in and of itself, because you basically are give we're giving everyone permission to express their experience, not what we think their experience should look like. Right. And that is incredibly free. The more we educate people up front about what this is, mm-hmm. the the people who are looking for this will find it, and they'll come. It, and the people who aren't really looking for this, 
won't come. And that's really what we want. We want them to go where they want to be and people who want what we're doing to come and find us. That would be the perfect the oh, perfect world scenario. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So most of the courses are about a week long. Am I reading the dates right? Um, well, uh, five days, I would say. Um, we're doing a course uh, at 1440 uh which is a, a new kind of uh, Omega Institute-type uh, place out uh, near Santa Cruz. We're doing a course for five days um, in November, and it's going to be a combination of the first three levels in shortened form. But we have also developed course companions uh, for these three courses. So we're going to be able to, once people take these courses, they're going to be able to get the course companions and then continue working with us. Um, mm-hmm. And we're, well, we're, design, we're in the process of designing uh, small online courses to continue working on various things between courses. So I think there'll be uh, more continuity. And um, also I think uh, more, more um, well, with continuity comes depth. And uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be good. Right. Especially, like you said, once, since it's like something that needs to be continued, kind of opening the mind and the eyes, it needs some, yeah, some ongoing. Yeah, so the Effortless Beauty Workshop is the one you're speaking of that's coming up in November. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And that'll be taught by yourself and Michael? Yes, that's the plan. So you still have openings if people are interested, or? Um, yes, we do. So they should go to the website, which is mixsong. Excuse me. M i k s a n g. dot com. dot com. Okay. And the, it's got a link directly to the uh, Multiversity um, website and our page, and it has information about. It's. I think it's supposed to be. I mean, supposed to is not quite the right word. I understand from photographs and what people have said, it's just beautiful. And it's got all kinds of places to get massages and good food and nice uh, surroundings and, and mix up. So I think it'll be really relaxing for all of us. So where did you say? I'm sorry, I missed where it was located. It's it's outside of Santa Cruz. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll forget what the name of the town is, but it's all on the website. So after that workshop, um, you have continued workshops, or is there another? We we have been doing uh, a summer intensive every year since 2009, and uh, where we have back-to-back courses. And we just finished ours in July, and it was uh, it was about almost three weeks. Uh, where there were five days for each course and with two days in between. So I think we're sort of going to experiment with a couple of other different formats and have, there'll still be consecutive courses, but we're going to start trying to have 10-day intensives of the three. Mm-hmm. Because with these course companions, it gives so much more depth and continuity to everybody. So much information in them from the courses, from based on transcripts, right. that it's going to be much easier for people to sort of really stay in the flow of of, of the practice and and feel connected to it and not get kind of uncertain. And, you know, it'll be a lot easier. So 
so we'll be able to do shorter segments of each one and then and then work with people in between uh, the courses. So we'll have like 10, we'll have a 10-day, I think this is what we're going to do. We're talking about it right now. Right, we're going right. to have a 10-day intensive of all three because they all go together and they complete each other. We really want people to take level one, which is the basis, level two, which is going deeper, and then the third part, uh, which is getting into the the aliveness and the, the the real kind of fruition of this practice, the heart of perception. Right. And then, like you said, from there, to be able to continue it on an everyday basis mm-hmm. where it feels yes. more... Yes, we do have two more courses after that for people who, who want to really, you know, just kind of continue more deeply. We do have two more courses after that. But the first three are really... The, the, they're, uh, in a sense, they're they're just the main they're the main thing mhm wonderful do you think you'll be putting together you said more videos for people as well well there's the videos that are coming out when michael's done with them um which will hopefully be pretty soon and a little more videos sure we've got lots more books than us too we're just you know it's all a question of of uh what comes next one foot in front of another so um, yeah, there's going to be much more to come. Do you think it's been, well, you, it sounds like, started with digital photography. Am I correct? No, I didn't, actually. Oh. I'm oh. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> there were, how many years? Let's see. There were about mm, six years uh, of uh by Nikon, <laughs> you know, and, there, and some of the other manual cameras. I loved them, but we were really slow to go with digital. We couldn't believe that they would actually be as good as what we were. I think a lot of us felt this way. Oh, I agree. Until, I agree. You know, and then, and then a friend finally he got a digital camera, and we did the blind test, mm-hmm. and I picked all the ones that were shot by the digital as being the ones that were shot by the the, the manual camera, and so. That was it. <laughs> we got our digital cameras after that. How has that changed the whole process of teaching in a sense or as, you know, learning this type of thought process and seeing process? Well, I can tell you one thing. I don't have to be going down to the uh, to the, to the store and buttering up the uh, lab guy. Right. So that he'll feel willing and interested in getting our images out the same day. <laughs> you have any times I had to do that? And so I think that being able to not have to pay for film mm-hmm. frees up everybody so much to really work it. Right. And like if you want, you you don't have to worry about anything. You can shoot so much and, and work out your technical difficulties and challenges. You know, clarify what you're saying. For us, it's been huge, absolutely huge. Untethering us to the labs uh, was one of the greatest things that ever happened. And then the next thing is the quality of the cameras is so good and they're so cheap that they're accessible to everyone, and that includes the phones. So I have read what's happening in the digital world uh, where cameras are going, and um, it, they're going to be in everything. They're They're going to be... It's 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 beyond what I can imagine how it's going to be integrating information and express expressing people's experience and communication through photographs that they shoot and text and send 
right. uh, with their phones. I mean, it's it's happening very quickly. So I, I don't I I don't think I don't I I don't know if I should say this or not, but I am actually not sure that we're going to have cameras as cameras for all that much longer. That's you know, um, right? You know, maybe twenty years. And then who knows who will be teaching what, how. Right. Right. Because I would just think, I just know for myself, too, that, that seeing you're getting feedback right away on something that's digital, whereas in the past, like you said, someone photographs something and then to get some feedback or input or... Two weeks later, you get your pictures, the moment is over. Mm-hmm, exactly. And if, and also, let's say you're 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 doing a course or you're somewhere... Um, and you're photographing a lot, like all day. Like you're, you're maybe you're on a trip or something. Right. And you're photographing all day, and you and you get your images, and you start to notice when you're looking at your images at night that everything's too light, everything's too dark. You've got some setting on your camera that's screwing up your images. And just imagine if you did that for the whole trip and you got your pictures back. It's it's a tragedy, you know. Yeah. Really, so we yeah. don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, it's a big improvement, but it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Julie, for your time today. It's been really enlightening, and um, and I don't mean that. Any, it's just I ha- I've had questions about Nick Song photography for quite some time and just the process and, you know, sharing that with others who may be interested because, you you go to you hear it floated around from time to time and you know some people are looking for something that's more than just following the rules as such. Right, that's true. So well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, April, and thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome, Julie. So again, the website is m i k s a n g dot com. If you Want to see the videos, pick up some of the books, or sign up for one of the upcoming workshops. Thanks for joining me today for the interview with Julie DuBose. If you're looking for some help planning your fall foliage trip, now is the time. You can drop me an email at april at aprilart.com, visit my website at fallphototrips.com, or start making plans to join me on a wonderful photo tour next year. And those 2018 dates will be up soon, so drop me an email on what you're interested in. We'll have trips to Maine, the Salton Sea, places in California, and of course, New England. So thanks again, and hope you'll join me next time on Eyes for the Road.